scripture today is coming out of Isaiah 61. Um, It's page 620 in your Black Bibles. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, who come for all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall rise up the, f- the former devastation, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. I didn't turn it on, so I'm not going to blame anyone else for it not being on. At any rate, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm Phil, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm really excited about this passage. I'm excited about being here, and even this day, I'm a little surprised, and so I'm going to talk a little bit before I get started. That's just kind of how I do it, but a little, little surprised, but happy that you were here. I know it's Memorial Day weekend. And a lot of people aren't here out and about and just enjoying this hot weather. Uh, But you are spiritual ones who are here to get your praise on before you go out to enjoy the hot weather as well. I know some of you going to the racetrack this this afternoon. Uh, Boy, you are courageous to do that in this sweltering heat. But at any rate, really happy that you're here. And this is a great opportunity for us to receive from the Lord even as we have distractions of so many things to do this weekend, but we're, we have our priorities straight. We want to come and be a part of worshiping together as a body and a body of Christ, if you will. So today, I'll be sharing from Isaiah 61. And, and although, even though we read just one, uh, one through four, I'm going to preach through the entire text. Doesn't mean I'm going to spend more time doing that, but I'm going to hit on other verses within this passage of Scripture. And so let's talk about what was going on before we pray. Let's talk about uh, the backdrop. What was happening in the time of Isaiah? So Isaiah is the prophet. And if you have the Bibles, you can turn to 620 and 621. So it's on two pages there. Uh, and, and so you know, if you're new to Soma, that Bible that you have in your hand, you can have it. Hopefully you didn't bring that Bible, the one that you didn't bring that you have now, you can take it home with you. Uh, it's our gift to you. But the, the, the passage here in Isaiah 61, it is simply uh, a word from Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah during this day, he shared some hard things. And prophets had to tell what God spoke to them to share with his people. And it was hard. And some may call this the indictment on the church. So he came calling the church out. 
Now, I'm not going to be a prophet today. I'm just going to repeat what's already been stated, nothing new. But I am going to remind us of where God would have us to think and to be and to do. It's a reminder today. And it's going to be a really encouraging sermon because there's some great action and application to what God is calling us to do. So what was going on? In, in Isaiah, you look at the entire book of Isaiah, the beginning verses or chapters, I should say, the people were worshiping God. I mean, they were people of God. God uh, made many promises to them. They were his covenant people, and they were totally just celebrating, and as we do on Sundays, come together and got their praise on, but they were lacking. They, were had, they had some challenges, right, coming out of exile because of their sin of disobedience. They didn't follow God. They got comfortable. And that's true of us sometimes. You know, we've experienced the grace of God, as we sung about earlier today. And we really get excited. We get comfortable in our, in our relationship with God. But then we really don't do all that he calls us to do. Or we don't remember all that he calls us to do. And so it was with Israel. So it was for Isaiah to come and to call out the church for their inability to do all that God called them to do. And we're going to talk about, so we've, we've sang songs about justice. And there was a social injustice happening there in Isaiah 1, which we read about earlier. Isaiah 1, verses 17, 16b and 17, where the church forgot the least of these. They didn't consider the orphans and the widows in their celebration, in their serving, in their rel religiosity. They lost track of the other. They lost track of what was going on around them. They had their, their spiritual uh, aspect of life going really well, but socially speaking, they were lacking. God calls us as a whole people to do a great work to advance his kingdom, and sometimes we lose sight of all that he's called us to do. Amen? I love it when you talk back to me. It lets me know that I'm not just talking to a wall, but I'm talking to people. And, and at any rate, I'll keep going. Thank you. So the purpose of Isaiah is to declare the good news that God will glorify himself through Christ and transform lives to build. Right? And guess what? And the nations will see the great work that God is doing through his transformed people. Those nations we're talking about, and I just have to go there. You're giving me some encouragement to the side. You know, those nations we're talking about were people who were just dogging Israel out. They brought shame to Israel, right? But then Jesus, the Lord, flipped the script, as we'll see in this passage, where they become, the nations become servants to God's people. We like that kind of party. But there are some other things that are happening that I want to talk about. But before we do that, let's pray. Father God. Thank you for all that you are to us. And Lord, we ask that you would meet us where we are. You know where we are, where we're sitting, what we're thinking, and what we're going through. You know our state of mind. You know what we're contemplating. I just pray, God, that we would be here with you, that we would be present, that we would take a moment and be free of the distractions, all the things that we are hoping to do today, tomorrow, and all the things that we have to do for work this coming week but just to be present here with you so that we can receive from the Holy Spirit that, Lord, that you would use me to share your truth and your spirit will move on our hearts and will call us to action. Bless us, Lord, this day and this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So Israel had some issues. They were overtaken by the nations. They were held captive. They were hurting people. They were broken people. And that's why Isaiah talks about the Spirit of the Lord coming. But I want to talk about the brokenness of Israel, but I want to also talk about the brokenness of the modern-day Israel, the church. I want to talk about our brokenness. And here I am saying we want here. Here's the big idea. That God's transformed people have work to do. That God's transformed people will build. You hear me now? God's called people, his priests, his uh, 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 servants will do work to honor and glorify him and the nations will see it. That's a big idea. We're going with this here. But I want to talk about us for a minute. I want to talk about perhaps where we are in our own brokenness and our own dissatisfaction with life. Here are some questions I want you to ponder. I just want to connect with you a little bit. Whose hearts are broken? Whose hearts have been broken? Whose hearts are devastated by the forsaken God, at least we feel, that he's forsaken us and we're totally disappointed? Our emotions tell us that God is against us. We exhausted our possibilities. Life is a waste. So why not just settle into mediocrity and make the best of it? Is that where we are today? Is that where our hearts are? Is that where our pain points are? I have good news for you. I have good news for you today, right now. Christ has won the victory over everything that is against us. Jesus didn't come to those who were comfortable and in control, but he came for those who were in deep trouble. Jesus was on a mission. Came to those in deep trouble. But for those who were, or rather, but the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus, and he was anointed to preach the good news to the poor the physical and the spiritual poor. And we're going to talk about that. So the first four verses we're going to talk about is God's transforming power in the lives of his people. So how does he, here's the good news. You hear us saying that the gospel changes everything, the gospel is the good news. Here it is, and this is what we share when we share the gospel, when we share the good news. Here is the good news. Here is the message in this text. And let's read. It says, verses 1 and 2, he bind up the broken hearted. So I'll just read that instead of just going to my notes. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who were bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, and to give them a beautiful headdress of ashes. Let me just stop there. So the good news is that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. What does it mean to have a broken heart? Well, it means this, that we are overwhelmed and, and in, in, in despair, that we are out of control, that we cannot control our circumstances, and we are saddened because we are out of control, and our hearts are broken. Our spirits are broken. We are emotionally uh, paralyzed. Can't seem to get out of this rut. 
that we're in. Maybe a broken relationship. Can't seem to get over the sadness. Looking for some joy. Looking for a new day. Broken hearted. He came to bind up the broken heart, to give aid to our hearts that are in need of the Savior's soothing touch, to give aid to the brokenness of the deep brokenness that we experience in our deepest bowel. Stuff that we can't really tell people, that brokenness. Stuff that's happened to us in the past, that brokenness. The stuff that is going on with us right now, that brokenness. And he came to bind the brokenhearted. Has your heart been bound? Has your heart been healed by the love of Jesus? And he also came to bring liberty to the captive. He came to set the captive free. What are we captive by? Let me just talk about us and maybe even Israel. We're the modern day Israel. What about loneliness? How many of us are just so isolated and we may look like we're in and we even and we encourage people to be in missional communities, be in community with others, and we may even attend missional communities. But yet inside, we are still lonely. We're unrest. We don't have a place where we are satisfied. We are not a place where we are known by people truly known, the depths of our hearts like known before other people. So we're lonely inside. There's stuff that we can't talk about. Is that us? Is that us? To be free from captivity, it means to be released from the bondage. It means to have our eyes open to the deception that is around us open to the darkness that we live in, the perverse world that we live in, that we might see how ugly life really is, that we may see the schemes of the enemy and not be overwhelmed by his stronghold. That is a reality for us. Jesus came to set us free, and we will be free indeed. It's only he can free us and not ourselves. You see, when we try to free ourselves, we look for vices. We look for other things that bring us happiness and joy. We want to break out of this bondage. We try to uh, uh, satisfy it with some other things and other people. But we're not trusting the Lord to free us through and through. Jesus came with the good news to set you, me, the captive, free. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. No man comes to the Father but through Jesus, but by me, through Jesus. And he is our significance. He is everything that we need. He's more important than we are because he loves us more than we can ever love ourselves. So we need him to help us know who we are in him. We need him to give us our identity so we know how to live. We know how to honor him in our lives. He came to bring comfort to those who mourn. He came to bring comfort to those who experience grief and sadness. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who were crushed in spirit. That's the good news, that he is near. He is right there with us as we go through the challenges that we experience. Oh, I have an illustration for you. 
how that comfort is so important when we're going through the storm. And we all have storms in our lives that we go through at different times, in different seasons. And I don't know if I share with you as a body uh, this story. Uh, our oldest daughter and her husband lost their baby a few months ago. And, and I can't tell you, as, one, as a child of the king, as one who hears the gospel, who breathes the gospel, who reads the gospel on a regular basis, but when morning came to my house, reality kicked in. That I could feel, that I could hurt, that I could be so overwhelmed that I can't really control my emotions. And that's how we felt when we lost what we had anticipated by the month of June, this coming month, our grandbaby, my first grandbaby, that I would be able to, had already envisioned what life would be with my grandbaby, had already envisioned sitting on the rocking chair, had already envisioned taking him to the park, had already envisioned taking him to my favorite restaurants, bring him to church, have them all dressed up, and let everybody say how cute he or she is, had already envisioned that. But God said, no, the baby didn't make it. The baby didn't make it on this side of glory. But our baby, our grandbaby is in heaven. But it was hard to experience the loss. And I only speak of a grandfather-to-be, but I can't imagine what my daughter and son-in-law went through. I can't imagine what they are going through today. But God comes, and he brings comfort to those who mourn. But it was real for me. And let me tell you a really good illustration of what it means to be comforted when we're going through a hard time of life, when we can't, over, when we can't overcome our circumstances. What does it mean? It's here in 2 Corinthians. Here it is. Here's an example of it. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God calls us to present ourselves to each other. And so the, the experiences that he gives us, and this is how it was for me, through my hard weeks of, 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 of hurt, of pain, of grief, there was a young man, he's older than I am, Pastor Brandon Shields' dad, Jim Shields. He said, Brother Phil, I want to have coffee with you, and I just want to be with you. So we met, and he was so kind. He was so gentle. And here I am, big Pastor Phil, a man of God who's all excited about God's goodness and God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. But I was this big man who had a soft heart and who was crushed and devastated by the pain, by the loss of our baby, grandbaby, and loss in our family. And he was so kind. He said, Brother Phil, I understand. He and his wife experienced the same. And he said, brother, you need to go ahead and feel what you feel. Go ahead and let it out. Don't hold it in. Let God minister to you. And he said, I just want to be here for you. Then I want to just say a prayer over you. And he prayed over me at Panera on Keystone Avenue. 
and I was just so at his mercy, and my heart was just so broken and just so open and receiving from God through this brother's presence, through his words over me, that it just really soothed my soul. That's what God does when we go through hardships, when we mourn, he comforts us, and with that comfort, we're able to comfort others. Amen? And there are a lot of abilities and desires that we have even today. It's because of how someone has impacted our lives. We've said, I want to do this for other people. I want to minister to other people. That's how ministry is birthed. It's when we birth out of struggle, when it's birthed out of hardship. We take those experiences and allow God to use them for his glory. And one day I'll be able to share even more intentionally about how it, what it means to get through loss, what it means to get through losing or having a, a loved one taken or having a baby taken before it was born. One day I'll be able to explain, explain a little bit better by and by. Let's keep going. Verses 3b. So what we've talked about is the emotional part of man. We've talked about the brokenhearted. We talk about how we're captive in our hearts. We've talked about uh, uh, how we mourn inside. And I want to also talk about the external now. That was the inner. And when God transforms us, he transforms us through and through, from the inside and on the outside. Here's what he does on the outer person here. Verse 3b gives us all of gladness. This all of joy that describes the joy of those who experience the newness of life, the oil and the garment of praise. It is the gift that God gives us, and he covers over us, covers over our head, and he takes the ashes, and he places a headdress over us. Amen? So the ashes represents humility. It represents brokenness. But he comes to say, you're no longer broken. You're no longer in mourning. I have come to bind your brokenhearted. I've come to set you free from your captive situation, and I have come to comfort you in your mourning. So I am now not only give you the happiness on the inside, but now you have the happiness on the outside. And God gives you the joy of sharing the good news that my God is an overcoming God, that my God is able to deliver me. My God is able to set my feet upon a solid rock and establish my going. My God is able to give me victory over all of my challenges. That's my God. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach the good news to us. Through God's grace, we become mighty oaks of righteousness, a display of the Lord's splendor. We are the priests of the Lord, and he calls us to engage in service. The transform is called the build. So he's transformed our hearts and he's given us victory over sin, or he gives us victory over sin so that we might glorify him before the nations. And how do we do that? We do it through building. And there it is in verse 4. There is in verse 4. Let me read that. They, the transformed, the redeemed of the Lord, they, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many nations. God calls us to build. He called Israel to rebuild the temple. They tried two times. 
You look at it in Nehemiah uh, chapter 1 and 2. He was a transformed brother who went before the king, but before he went before the king, he repented of his sins. He repented of his forefathers' sins, and he cried out to God, and he remembered uh, the past of his, his, his ancestors. He remembered the past of his people, and he said that, Lord, because of our disobedience, you, we, were, we were pushed away from you. We wandered away from you, but because of your grace, you drew us back to you. And so he repented of his sins, and then God showed him favor. And as the story goes on, the Lord used this transformed man to travel through the regions, to rebuild the walls and the gates of the city, the new city, Jerusalem, a place where God's name to dwell. That's what he did. And he used Nehemiah to raise up broken people to build a new city for the glory of God. So God calls us, he transformed us to build. If you don't remember anything else about this message, I want you to hear that we are transformed to build transformed by the power of God, transformed by the cross of Christ, transformed by God through his son Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives within us, so that we might accomplish a great work for his glory, so that all the nations can see that God is good. Can I get a witness? Let's talk about the transform building. Let's talk about that. Oh, I got some good stuff. It's going to get real good now. Oh, yeah. We're oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Hear me now. In all of our doing, and all of the church's desire to change our city. You know, as a church, we want to see our city thrive for Jesus. We want our city to be flourish, to flourish for the glory of God. We want us, we want you to live on mission with the message. Just talked about that. Yes, and the mercy of Jesus Christ so that we can see a transformed city through a transformed people and everybody will see and know that God is doing something special. It's not just us. It's not just one person who's one person's ability. You know that our ability comes from the Lord, and we think that it's all about us. But God, through his people, would do a greater work than we can do alone. Amen? Oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. There are ruins in our city. There are devastations in our city. There's history that we're not happy about. There are changes that need to be made. There are problems in society. Kids taking guns to schools. Just in our backyard, Noblesville, at Westside School, Noblesville, Westside. And, and it saddens us because across the nation, that is the demise of the world, and we see that. But what role does the church play? What role will the transform play in renewing and rebuilding that which was broken and also in ruins? What role do we play? I want you to feel something here. God didn't just call us to be saved and to wait until he returns so we can sit pretty, so we can get our religiosity on and just totally be looking good and just have our splendor. We got the inner, the inner dynamic of us being, oh, God has changed my heart. We got the outer beauty of the headdress, the oil of gladness. Oh, I got love and joy in my heart. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine attitude. 
But oh, that's just not what God calls us to be. So we prance up and down and around the aisle and walk up in the street and say, oh, I'm a part of Soma Church. Uh, yeah, I live in Indianapolis where God is, doing, God is doing some great things. But we look at the people around us on the inside and the outside that are hurting. God is calling us to build. He's calling us to restore. He's calling us to repair. I'm going to get real practical with us. Psalms 1-3 says this, he, talking about us, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers because God gives favor. And all that we do for God, we will prosper because he gives favor. It is the grace that God gives us to do anything, any ability that we have, any resources that we have. It's because God has blessed us and he's called us to use those gifts and abilities and treasures to honor and to glorify his name, to build, transform, to build, to restore, to repair. The Lord calls us as ministers to build with the poor, and the marginalized. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Very near and dear to our Father's heart. For the Lord loves justice. And that was the issue, as I mentioned earlier, with Israel. They had the religiosity going, but they neglected the widows. They neglected the orphans. They neglected the strangers. And God, as a God of mercy, says, don't leave them out. They're my people. They're my people. Don't, don't make them projects. Don't build something so that you can tell others about them. Don't do that. You want to build with them. Nehemiah gave us an example of that. He built with people. He didn't say, just go off to the side and I'll build it for you. He didn't say, I'll just write a check that the king gave me, and I'll just build some buildings and put my name on it, and I'll get a little credit. He said, no, come, now let us rebuild the city. So we have to include the poor and the marginalized. We got to carry them for those that have the resources. God has given us the resources. He did it in this text. He did that. He gave, he gave them, he, he made the enemies bring them the goods. He made the enemy work for those who were redeemed. He made the enemies work for the reform, the, the, the transform. Uh, yeah, we're reformed by God too. Israel lost sight of the poor. We lose sight of social injustices. We say it's not our problem. We say we don't have an answer for it, so we do nothing. Not good. The transformed God, the God of all might, the God almighty of all splendor, of all glory, and of all majesty has all power in his hands, and he gives us his Holy Spirit to do greater things we can do than we can do in our own power. Is able to do great things through us in this world. Do we believe him for that? Do we? I want you to think about this. I want you to be creative. Think about how God might use us to do this. Here we go. Practical application. Whew. It took a minute. Here we go. This is what he's called us to do. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Even Isaiah the prophet knew it was going to be hard to tell the people to stop. Stop. Seek justice, relieve the oppressed, judge the cause 
of the widow. That's in Isaiah 1, verses 17, 16 and 17, 16b and verse 17. Knew it was going to be hard, but they needed to stop the madness, stop what they were doing, stop the habits that they had of neglecting the people outside of them, neglecting those in society. We can't turn a blind eye or deaf ear to the issues that we see and hear about every single day. We can't. God calls us to action. And over the next four or five months, we have the opportunity in the Midwest to be outside. Amen? Can you get excited about that? Some of you are excited right now. You're thinking, brother, as soon as you're done, as soon as you're done, we're going to get out there, and it's going to be on and popping as soon as you're done, brother. I understand that, but I want to set you up before you go. I'm glad you want to get out because I want, to, I want us to get out with a purpose. I want the transform to get out and build. So I want you to get out and engage society. I want you to get out and, and feel what other people are feeling, but have a perspective in mind, to have a purpose in mind. So application is this. You know, we have a number of brothers and sisters in our fold that are doing some great work. And a few of them are in, at least one of them in this room, where they're building. Well, God is doing some awesome work through them. They have these ideas, and they're doing something for the glory of God. I look at Eric Ginn. Put you on the spot. Brothers purchased a number of lots in this community. A number. Over eight or nine, I don't know. And, and how many? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> and what he's done, he's, per, he's purchased the lots in this area so that he can bring beauty to the city by planting native trees and plants and making it beautiful in society. So we don't have just houses upon houses, but there's some green space. I appreciate his desire. This is what he does over and beyond of what he does for work. This is what God has called him to do. This is how he builds. It's how he builds. Then I think of Brendan Flowers. On the side, he and another brother from Redeemer, they purchase homes around the city. And their, their purpose for purchasing these homes is to create rent, uh, rental properties for people that they know, or people in the community, to, per, to rent for the low-low, for an affordable cost, to keep them in the city. That's admirable. That's awesome. That's building. Building our city. And then we have a young lady over at Soma Midtown, Christian, um, I forget her last name, but that's all right. I get older and I forget stuff. And, and so she's partnering with Unconditional Ministries and where Unconditional Ministry reaches out to women that are selling themselves in the strip clubs. Okay. And so these women that are exploited, so they, she is starting a business of a for-profit where she will be able to provide jobs for these women to make clothes and they have some dignity in what they do as opposed to just uh, allowing themselves to be used to, to pleasure other people. That's beautiful work. That's beautiful building. Just an example. I know there are other people that are building even in this room that I may not be aware of. Let me know. I may not be aware of. But God is building through the transformed people, people who are called by God to do something good for Jesus so that the world may see and know that they are unique, that they are priests, that they are ministers of the gospel in service. Here's some more application as we wind down. I have a kit for you. God calls us to build in community. If you have, I'm not talking about in the church community, I'm talking about in your neighborhood. If you have people that you live near and you feel uncomfortable getting to know them, you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know my neighbors. I'm not there at home often enough. There's stuff going on at the local uh, neighborhood association, but I just don't know where to begin. I've got a kit for you. Here's some practical ways for you to build in community. Go ahead and meet the neighbors next door. Go ahead and knock on the door if you have to. 
Go ahead and speak to them when you see them getting in and out of the cars. And when they're sitting out on the porches, go ahead and take the bold step and walk on across the, 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 the street and just ask how they're doing. Oh, I got a kit for you. On a day like today and tomorrow, pull out the grill. Go ahead and throw some brats and maybe some ribs on there. And you don't have to be a great griller, but you can have a friend to come over and do some grilling for you. And then go ahead and offer people a plate, if you will. Man, where I'm from in the, in the inner city of Atlanta, we offer plates. What that means is we give them something to eat. And we simply say, hey, come on over and eat with me. Oh, I got a kit for you. And, and what if you just go ahead and bake some cookies and take them over to the neighbor? Just some practical application of building with people. Listen, we can't necessarily go. We could go up to folk, knock on the doors. Let me tell you the good news about Jesus. Are you bold enough to do that? Praise God if you are. But you don't have to start. You have to leave with that foot. You can leave with just getting to know your neighbors. You can leave with just getting to know them, being in their space, learning about them, sharing your story. And if your story comes up and how God redeemed you, how you've been transformed, then you share it. Oh, I got a kit for you. You can even pursue people that look different than you. If you're in one of those neighborhoods where it's quite diverse, and we, you know, we live on the Near East Side. We're pretty diverse on the Near East Side. We're diverse in St. Clair Place. We are in Woodruff Place. We are in Holy Cross. We are in the Canal, just all over the city, right? We're diverse folk, and we're not maybe accustomed to being around people that we don't know, that don't look like us, or that don't come from the same socioeconomic background that we come from, or that we're in. Oh, I got a kit for you, and this one's a hard one. Step outside of our comfort zones, and let's allow the, the transforming God in our hearts to engage with people that are not like us so we can learn from them. We do life with them. Oh, I got a kit for you. I don't know how many of you in your street, I'll tell you what I do on my street as I look at my time. We're very creative. We just party on, on every occasion. We, we pull out the grill, we pull out the PA system, we assess my neighbors, and I know that we have a saxophonist, and I can call the brother to play his sax. Go ahead and link him up to the amplifier, bring out the grill, pull out the corn holes, and guess what? We got a party. And just like that, in the community, so we celebrate Independence Day together. So we'll celebrate Memorial Day weekend together. Oh, on Halloween, I don't believe in the holiday uh, or, the, or the, the occasion, but we simply pull our candy together and we open up a bonfire, kick off a bonfire, and we do some s'mores and we pull our candy so the kids can do the trick-or-treating right there on the block. We just be creative in what? Building community. I got a kit for you. And if you need some help with a starter kit, you let us know. If you need some help with knowing how to share your faith, we've had the teaching courses, teach Sunday teaching classes, equipping classes we call them. We talk about evangelism. We're trying to equip you because we got a kit for you. That's what we do on the community level. This is how we build our city through service. And I'm rounding it up. We have a number of organizations that you are a part of. And I thank God for you. I thank God that we have a church culture people that are engaged, fully engaged for the most part. All of our MCs are serving with some organization or institution in our city. That thrills me. That gives us pride. It does in a good way. It does. And I get excited when I think of the brothers and sisters in this body that are serving on boards, that are giving their hearts to greater causes than them, that are sharing all that God has given them, and they're also creating access and also uh, using their influence to build within organizations. I thank God 
for you. I thank God for the number of places where we're serving, Shepherd Community Center. I thank God for Brookside Community Church where they're working with reentry. People that are coming out of the prison system, they're creating a, a, a community and providing housing for them. I praise God for the clinic. I praise God for the Exodus uh, Refugee Center. M. Bricker works for the clinic and just pouring out a heart and building among the different nations of people. Praise God for those opportunities where we're serving. Outreach Inc. just across the street from us. Eric Howard, a gifted brother with great ideas and just approached me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, we want to build some apartments right here on the corner here. And we want to build them for the homeless youth. And we would love for some of the people to live within those units that they build, to live among the homeless teens. Wow, what an idea. Ways that we can build and help our city flourish. And we do all of this, and we do all of this, as you see in 11b, 11b, so that the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. I got a kit for you, and it starts with knowing Jesus. It starts with accepting him as Lord and Savior for those who are not believers, those who are not transformed. God desires a relationship with you. And boy, we want you to know him today. I've got a kit for you. We are oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that we may glorify him. The favor of the Lord is guaranteed success in whatever manner he desires us to be and to do in order to glorify himself before people. <sighs> Transformed to build. That is the charge that God has given us. As transformed people, let's get to building for the glory of God. Now we move to communion. Each weekend, we're reminded of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. The Christ who bound or who binds the brokenhearted. The Christ who set the captive free. The Christ who gives comfort to those who mourn. He reminds us that he is our redeemer. He reminds us that he has transformed us by the blood of his son. And we partake of this meal. It's a meal of celebration that we are his transformed. We are his people. And his body and his blood that was shed for us was because of his love and his covenant and his faithfulness to his people. And so, and then for those who are not Christians, we ask that you would not partake of this meal. This meal is for those who are believers. But instead, if you would consider your hearts and where God is doing and speaking to you, and that you would consider, us, consider praying and maybe allow us to pray over you. We'll have people over to my left on the other side of the pipe and drape where we can just totally hear your hearts and perhaps this will be the day of your salvation where you can experience redemption. Amen? For the rest of us, let's enjoy all that God has done for us and all that he continues to do through his body. And uh, so we'll have stations on the front and also in the back, gluten-free to the right. And uh, let's go ahead and pray as we set up for communion. Father God, we are so grateful that you remind us that we are your redeemed. We are so grateful that you extend grace to your people, a people who are stiff-necked at times. Lord, we are so grateful that you give us your spirit to do greater things than we can do in our own power. We thank you, Father, for the reminder that we need you, that our sufficiency is all in you and in you alone. So we ask that you would help us to be more like the church, 
Help us to reflect your glory as we go in and out of community. Lord, may we be agents of change in this society. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.